No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. What does it mean to be God's chosen people? Today we'll see where Moses gives instructions to Israel for living out their calling in the promised land in the way that keeps them in the center of God's blessings. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 7 on Simply the Bible. Israel was God's chosen people. This was a great privilege, but with it also came a responsibility. It meant that they were to separate themselves from the nations to be God's special treasure. God would deliver the inhabitants of the land of Canaan into their hands, but they were to destroy these nations. Now, many people have a problem with the fact that God would give these seven nations over to bloody destruction, but such people would deny God his right to judge the world. These nations had become perfect in their wickedness, literally. They were ripe for judgment. God had waited 400 years for them to reach this point of total depravity. But now Israel would be God's instrument of choice to rid the earth of these seven nations of Canaan. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor should you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. There is no question that evil exists in the world. We don't always want to admit that, but it's true. And God has only one sentence for evil, total destruction. The reason we don't see more immediate destruction of evil is because God is patient not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked, but that they would turn and live. When God does not immediately judge evil, we must never make the mistake of thinking that he doesn't care, or even worse, that he approves of what's going on. Israel was to be God's instrument of judgment in destroying these religious artifacts of these pagan nations, their altars, their sacred pillars. They were to cut down the wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. These were abominable and often pornographic idols that permeated these perverse nations. 
and Israel would be doing the earth a favor by utterly destroying them. Now, God knew that it would be difficult to carry out these instructions. It is the natural human tendency to show mercy rather than wiping out an entire culture. God knew that Israel would be tempted to make peace treaties with them. But God forbade them to do this because he knew that it would be a snare to them. If Israel showed these nations mercy, then they would soon be corrupted by their perverse practices. And of course, history tells us that this is exactly what did happen because of Israel's failure to obey God's commandment. They would prove to be a contagion to Israel and God would ultimately remove Israel from the land because they adopted these idolatrous practices. God had also prohibited them from marrying anyone from these seven nations. The reason was simple, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. This is what happened in the incident of Peor, and God struck down 24,000 of the men of Israel for sexual immorality and idolatry. The prohibition of a believer marrying an unbeliever carries into the New Testament as well. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, the Apostle Paul wrote, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. It has been said that whoever marries an idolater marries his or her idols. So don't think you're the exception. And don't justify it by saying that you will convert him or her. The truth is that bad company corrupts good character. There is far more precedent that the good will be corrupted than that the bad will be converted. I wish I could share with you how many stories I have heard of those believers who have ignored this warning and become unequally yoked with unbelievers to the detriment of their own souls and to the heartbreak of those who love them. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Not only were they to be a holy people, that is, to be set apart for God, but they were also to be a wholesome people, set apart from sin and from everything that would defile them in body or spirit. Again, this principle carries over into the New Testament for those who have been chosen 
in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. What an awesome privilege it is for us to know that we have been chosen by the Lord for salvation. We didn't choose him, he chose us. But you say, well, that's not fair. Really? You don't think so? Then come to him today and trust in him for your salvation. Because Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. If you're willing to come to him, then he won't turn you away. But then you say, well, what if I don't want to come to him? Well, then he probably didn't choose you. But don't blame God. Now, if God had taken Israel to be his special people and chose no other nation but them, was it too much to ask that they take no other God but him? Now, why did God choose them? The basis for God's selection was solely in his love. It wasn't because of their large number, for they were the smallest and least of all people. It wasn't because of their righteousness, as we shall see, for they were a rebellious house. It was because their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had found favor in God's eyes, and God swore a promise to them that he would give the promised land to their descendants as an everlasting possession. That was the reason. God didn't want them to get a big head about it. It had to do with God's love and God's promise to the patriarchs. Now, God has created all life. So doesn't he have the right to choose whomever he will? Verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. You see, this was a love relationship. It was a covenant, a marriage covenant that God was making with Israel. And a love covenant is proven by one's faithfulness. Jesus said in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You see, that's the way we prove our love to the Lord is by keeping his commandments. Now, we like the fact that God is faithful. He is trustworthy and unchangeable, so we can count on him no matter what. But he is also faithful to repay those who hate him and who violate his commandments. It says in verse 10 that God repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them, and he won't be slack in it. Now, we must accept both the positive and the negative side of God's faithfulness. And that is why God is worthy to be feared as well as to be loved. If we fear him and love him, then we will keep his commandments. We will hear his words and do what he says. 
will value the love relationship because it's our covenant of love with God Almighty and the proof that we are God's chosen people, his holy nation, a special treasure set apart to him. But beware of loving this world and compromising with this world so that it would turn your heart away from the love of the Father. Today, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it is the true state of things. And Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding in the world that we live in. Lord, that we would recognize we are your chosen people. And Lord, that we would love those whom you want us to love. But Lord, also that we would have wisdom in keeping apart from those things you want us to keep apart from. Lord, we know that we face an enemy who is very deceptive and cunning and would take us out if he could. So Lord, preserve us, we pray, and keep us close to you and make us wise to keep your commandments. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Moses warns Israel that after they enter the good land, they must not forget the Lord and all he has done for them. It's a good reminder not to forget our roots. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible.